I'm Katherine Howard with Howard Angus in Henrietta, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen some record cattle prices here in 2023, but according to a couple of livestock economists, you haven't seen nothing yet. Wait until you see cattle prices next year. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Being offered a carbon contract is something more and more producers are experiencing these days. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we're going to talk about some things to be aware of before agreeing to such a contract. The National Weather Service forecast above normal temperatures once again for Texas and much of the United States east of the Rocky Mountains in the month of August. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The future is bright when it comes to cattle prices. We've already set new record highs for fed cattle, feeder cattle, and lighter weight calves this year. But Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson says wait until you see next year's cattle prices. I've got higher prices next year than this year. And in fact, in some, you know, by range of estimates by quarter, I've got some $2 fed cattle next year. If we think of, say, five to 600-pound steers, southern plains, I wouldn't be at all surprised in 2024 to see $3 for some average prices. And I think we're going to push that on the feeder cattle side as well. And his colleague up at Oklahoma State agrees. Dr. Daryl Peel says he sees a 4-3-2 situation next year. The way I'm kind of thinking about it in very broad terms right now, um, you know, I think a 500-pound calf and a steer in Oklahoma uh, could touch $4 uh, a pound. Um, I think a big 800-pound steer could touch $3, and fed cattle are already within striking range of $2 a pound. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a lead pipe cinch at this point that will will at least touch it, and we could go substantially over $2, but 432 is kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. Both economists agree that the recent cattle inventory report shows no sign of herd rebuilding happening in the near future. If you are new to land ownership or ranching, Texas A&M AgriLife has a course for you. 
To help new landowners, those inheriting land and those who are looking to start a new agricultural operation on an existing ranch, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will soon host another Generation Next Our Turn to Ranch course online. The 12-week online course will run August 21st through November 12th. The course will include expert instruction on everything from starting a new agricultural business or enterprise to tax implications and insurance needs to developing wildlife or grazing leases. A link to RSVP is available on today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. Practically all of Texas is dealing with high temperatures and very little rain this week, making it tough on both humans and livestock. Russell Baining has both beef and dairy cattle on his place south of San Antonio. He says they're handling the heat pretty well so far. The cattle are doing okay. It's just a matter of keeping them comfortable, keeping them access to good water, good shade, and not trying to move them around when it's too hot. Triple-digit temperatures are in the forecast this week from East Texas down to the Rio Grande Valley and all the way up to the Panhandle. More and more Texas farmers and ranchers are being offered carbon contracts. James Hunt looks at some things to be aware of before signing one. A lot of farmers, including here in the Texas High Plains, are interested in possibly getting in on one of those carbon contracts you hear about from time to time. The concept sounds enticing, farmers being able to gain additional revenue simply by agreeing to adopt certain practices that can help reduce carbon emissions. But before accepting a carbon contract from a company, Tiffany Dowell-Lashmet of Texas A&M AgriLife says, do your homework. Lashmet, who is the agricultural law specialist for AgriLife, says carbon contracts can be very complex and can impose limitations farmers need to be aware of, like with something called stacking. All of these contracts have a stacking provision that basically says, if you enroll this piece of property with company A, you can't also enroll the same land and sell that carbon credit to company B, which I think makes total sense, right? You can't double count that carbon that you're generating on that piece of property. Some of those are really broadly written though, and I think could also potentially impact your participation in certain government programs, maybe carbon related, maybe not, right? Maybe broader like programs like ARC, PLC, EQIP. So really watch the breadth of those stacking provisions. Just one example of things to consider about carbon contracts. To help producers become more knowledgeable, AgriLife has put out a short publication called Understanding and Evaluating Carbon Contracts. You can find that publication online in Lashmut's blog, which is called Texas Agriculture Law Blog. Use that name, Texas Agriculture Law Blog, to search for it online. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Will the excessively hot temperatures continue into August? Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the August forecast. My guest today is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw joining me from Fort Worth. And Tom, July 2023 weather in Texas can only be described as hot, hot, and hotter. What's going on with this summer's temperatures and, of course, the lack of rainfall? July was just dreadfully hot. We had highs in excess of 100 degrees for um, a good number of days through the month of July for much of particularly central and western Texas. 
we did had a large upper level ridge of high pressure of the media coin in a, a heat dome but basically it's a large area of subsiding air that was the sinking across the southern plains through much of july and that uh, always leads to warmer than normal temperatures and drier than normal conditions across most of Texas. that was certainly the case during the month of july and um, unfortunately things don't look a lot better for august Yes, much of the same in August as the U.S. drought monitor for Texas is showing more colors from abnormally dry to exceptional uh, drought for uh, basically the uh, southern two-thirds of the state. You're quite correct. You know, the outlook for the month of August is showing you know, well above normal temperatures across not only Texas, but a good part of the United States east of the Rockies. So that drought monitor map that we're looking at that's certainly getting quite colorful with varying degrees of drought is probably going to, those conditions are going to get exacerbated as we go through the month of August until we eventually get into the fall and hopefully we'll start to see some uh, transition from wetter conditions. That is Tom Bradshaw. He is a uh, National Weather Service uh, meteorologist in charge at the National Weather Service in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We now head to the southern plains of Texas where cotton farmer Eddie Griffiths gives us an update on the crop condition in the Lubbock area. Eddie, it looks like that hot, dry weather has moved into your part of the state. Yeah, still uh, seeing warm temperatures here in West Texas. We'd gotten accustomed to getting rain, you know, pretty much once a week. And uh, over the past week or so, that has been eliminated from the forecast. And we are seeing the hot temperatures, but the cotton crop overall whether it be irrigated dry land still looks pretty good it uh starting to get a pretty good fruit load on it we usually look at fourth of july first bloom but that's a little later this year because of the rain and and the later start as we move into the month of august if we can just get a few timely rains in there they would sure bowl be beneficial and mean a lot to this crop we we have missed a few crops here in West Texas, especially on the dry land side. I know producers are excited to try to get a dry land crop harvested this year. And gins also get those gins, some income coming in as well as the producers. Well, Eddie, how about the sorghum in your area? How's that looking? Brain sorghum looks good also. Starting to see a little bit of scorching just because of the very high temperatures and you know, we get a few showers here and there to kind of cool it down. It, it's kind of the same situation as a cotton crop. It would surely help that crop, but for the most part, it looks like we'll have a sorghum crop along with the cotton crop here in West Texas. Thanks, Eddie. That's Eddie Griffiths from the Lubbock area. Texas adults who are interested in learning how to hunt can now apply for an educational and engaging hunting experience. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And invasive brush can reduce forage production for livestock. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. 
Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Invasive brush can reduce forage production for livestock. Dr. Bob Judd says there are a lot of options for brush control. Brush control is important to decrease the amount of brush since it uses water that could be used for other more edible plants. However, there are some things to consider when treating weeds in this hot and dry weather. Treating weeds and brush with a leaf spray application of herbicides this time of year will usually result in poor results for several reasons. Plants have slowed down their growth and will not move the herbicide to the roots as quickly as they normally would. Also, if the leaves are damaged by insects, there is less leaf available to take in the herbicide. And these hot temperatures makes the leaves more waxy to retain moisture in a drought, which decreases the herbicide's ability to get into the leaf. So if you're going to spray weeds and brush, waiting until the fall will allow the herbicide to be more effective. This time of year, stem spray applications and cut stump treatments will still be effective, and spraying stems includes spraying all the way around the stem up to 18 inches off the ground. The less stems, the better, and applying 25% Remedy Ultra and 75% Diesel in a stream directed right on the stem is effective, and these plants must be left alone for one year before removing the plant. Another option is the cut stump method, and although this requires more work, it is 100% effective. This method requires you cut the tree as close to the ground as possible and apply a 15% Remedy Ultra and 85% Diesel mixture on the entire cut surface, and this can be done any time of the year. Try to time your spraying for early morning when temperatures are less than 90 degrees, as some herbicides, like Remedy, are susceptible to volatilization. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas adults interested in learning how to hunt can apply now for an educational hunting experience. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. To teach more Texans how to hunt and harvest their own game, the Texas Wildlife Association is now accepting applications for its Adult Learn to Hunt program. Dr. Matt Hughes, TWA's Adult Learn to Hunt program coordinator, joins us with more. The Adult Learn to Hunt program is a multi-day, usually three-day, two-night program hosted on private lands in the state of Texas to teach adults the basic principles of hunting, including, you know, rifle mechanics, shooting, identifying wildlife species, and then harvesting an animal and then teaching them how to butcher and cook wild game. The majority of hunts through the program focus on white-tailed deer and wild pigs. There are also some hunts for duck, quail, dove, and some exotics. We've just seen an increase in interest in learning where people's food comes from, you know, both from native residents of Texas as well as people coming from from out of state and this desire to understand where the food comes from and then basically how to cook it as well. That's a big part of our programming is, you know, emphasis on the handling and treating wild game in a way that makes it desirable to eat and feed your friends and family. Most of the hunts occur through the Managed Lands Deer Program season, which is October 1st through the end of February. You can apply for the program on the Texas Wildlife Association website, texas-wildlife.org. There, search Adult Learn to Hunt. Again, that's texas-wildlife.org. The application went live July 1st. 
And so we'll start doing our first round of applications here this week, actually. But the application is open pretty much year round. Again, that website is texas-wildlife.org. Their search, adult learn to hunt. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market climbed higher while the grain markets dropped lower. We'll look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I wasn't. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh, listen in the barn, skill loader, tractor, then just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on in the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A drop in the grain markets helped cattle prices to move higher on Tuesday. We finish with triple-digit gains in both live and feeder cattle. August live cattle up $1.45, $179.50. The October up $230, $181.82. With December live cattle up $222 at $185.62. Same thing on the feeder market. August feeder cattle up 287, 24847. September up 270 at 25190. October feeder cattle up 237 at 25340. Cash-fed cattle market still mostly quiet for the week. We do see a report of a handful of cattle selling up in Iowa at 185, but that's about it. No bids or asking prices to report here in the Southern Plains. Boxed beef prices sharply higher on Tuesday. Choice was up 628 at 30806. Select up 202, 279.75. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Rodney Butler, my guest, Beeville Livestock, sold them on Friday. Rodney, what'd you think of the sale? Oh, we got along real good. The lesser quality cattle might have been a little softer, but overall the market was strong, sir. Good. Walk the pens with us, please. All right, we had 532 head of cattle, three horses, and five goats, and that old market was steady. The 200, 300 pound steers were 250 to 305. Heifers were 206 to 265. 300, 400 pound steers were 214 to $3. Heifers, $1.87 to 265. 400, 500 pound steers, 212 to 258. Heifers, 206 to 242. 500, 600 pound steers, 204 to 240. Heifers, $1.90 to two and a quarter. 600 to 700 pound steers, $2 to 226. Heifers, $1.79 to 250. And your 700 to 800 pound steers were $2 to 228. And heifers were $1.15 to $1.80. Packer cows are pretty strong. They were brought anywhere from 61 to $1.05. Packer bulls brought a $1.02 to $1.30. Young stocker cows, we had a few of them. They brought anywhere from 68 to $1.10. With some bread cattle, dollar around, around that. Fourteen seventy-five, and the few pairs that we had Friday brought anywhere from eighteen to fourteen hundred, sir. Did anybody tell you they were going to come back with cattle this next week? Yes, sir. I know of several bunches coming this next week. I'm going to go set up black baldy, black kids coming, and then I'll probably got another set of 
Charlie Cross Kiv's coming. So we're going to have a good start at Kiv's next sale Friday. Tell everybody how to contact you, Rodney. Yeah, if I can help market your cattle, call me at 361-358-1727 or call me on hold 645-5002. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you and take care. And neighbor, you take care also. We hope to see you back tomorrow right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for my program, Walking the Pens. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower on Tuesday. August hogs dropped 45 cents, 103.67. The October down 35 at 85.65. Class 3 milk steady to lower. The August contract down 24 cents, 17.45 a hundredweight. The cotton market saw triple-digit gains in Tuesday's trade. USDA released the latest crop condition report. It showed that 50%, one-half of the Texas cotton crop, is now in poor to very poor condition, and that caused the cotton market to take a jump on that news. October cotton up 143 points, 86.87. The December up 150 points, 86.22. March cotton up 160 closing at 86.35. The corn market took a drop on a favorable weather forecast for the Midwest. Increased chances of rain across the Corn Belt expected over the next two weeks, along with milder temperatures. So the corn market dropped on that news. September down 7 cents, 4.97 a bushel. December corn down 5 and 3 quarters, 5.07 and a quarter, with March corn down 5 and a quarter, 5.19 and 3 quarters. Both hard and soft wheat moved lower Tuesday. September Kansas City wheat down eight and a quarter, eight oh four and a half. September Chicago wheat down thirteen and a half at six fifty two and a quarter. In the energy market, September natural gas was down six cents, two fifty seven. September West Texas crude down forty six at eighty one thirty four a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow was up 64 points, 35,623. The Nasdaq down 44 at 14,303. The S&P down 8, 4,580. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.